Oh, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I think we can do a little bit better, though. You guys remember, like, when you were younger in vacation Bible school, you'd be like, ah. Let's see what we can do for Christmas service. Good morning. Yeah, I got somebody in there. Good job, Uncle Wes. Good job. With the whisper scream. Merry Christmas. Welcome to Kahului Baptist Church. Uh, we're thankful to have you guys here. We pray that you leave here focused on Christ this morning. I got so distracted that the hula and song were so good that I was like, oh, it's, it's my turn. I'm supposed to go up. So forgive the delay. I'm just wondering where we're going to get a guy up there, you know, like a, I don't know, Lenny up there. It's good to have you all here. I'm very excited to to preach my first uh, Christmas sermon. So it's going to be done in about an hour and a half. I, I'll try my best. No, just, kidding. just kidding, just kidding. Some of us spend our whole lives waiting for something. Something that we feel like when we accomplish or see or do this thing, we'll be like, yes. I'm done. I think the idiom in the English language that we've kind of created for this type of idea is called kicking the bucket, which means to die. And a movie was made out of that called The Bucket List. Uh, the idea you guys all know being you have a series of things, a list, if you will, of, of I got to accomplish this before I kick the bucket. I was thinking through this thing, and I was like, oh, I wonder what, what type of things, if you search the internet, would come up for, you know, most common bucket list type of things. We did just finish Romans 15. Don't judge me. I may have looked at Pinterest. I won't confirm or deny Here's one thing, some sort of diving, cliff jumping, skydiving, bungee jumping, It's one thing, hopefully with a parachute, or else it never ends well. Here's another one, be a part of a flash mob. Some of you are like, what is a flash mob? Others are like, I tried that and I was the only one. Send a letter to a random address and see if they write back. I have a feeling some of our maybe seniors have done that on accident in the past. We kind of forget sometimes. You're like, oh, I, got, I don't know who this is. That's awesome. I'll be your friend. Or call somebody and you, you don't even know them and you end up having like a 20-minute conversation with them. Who are you talking to? I don't know. Oh, here's a deep one. Have a marriage more beautiful than my wedding. Oh, it's actually a good goal to strive for. Here's another. Travel the world without a destination, going wherever the road takes me. And thus we have movies like Taken Made. Another one, get a flat stomach. If that's, if that's on your bucket list, 
You might want to skip our luncheon after. Just, just a suggestion. Go to a tropical paradise. Check. See the great pyramids. Just don't touch them or desecrate them, please, because they don't like that. And I put this one last. Um, and if, if this is on yours, and I hope it's last too, because after you do it, you might not accomplish much else. Hold a baby lion cub. And, and if that's on yours, then I hope you had a flat stomach because you will need to run very quickly. <laughs> might be the last thing you ever hold. Uh, and you will complete your bucket list. We're going to see a man today, Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, as I, as I thought, what Christmas passage ought I to do? And the top two, one was the genealogy, and the other one was this one. So I thought you guys, I know you would really love the genealogy, but we're going with, with this one. We're going to see a man who has spent his entire life waiting for something. He had one thing, one thing on his bucket list. One thing, to see the Messiah. To see the Messiah. He was waiting, and that's all he wanted. He didn't want to see the, the gardens of Babylon. Or he didn't want to see Spain or travel everywhere. He wanted to see the one who made all things. The consolation of Israel. The comfort of Israel. This man's name is Simeon. Simeon. We find his story in Luke chapter 2 from verses 22 to 35. Verses 22 to 35. So far in Luke's, in Luke's book, we've had lots of just amazing things happening. We've had, we've had Zechariah and Elizabeth who are advanced in age. They're having all of a sudden, they're pregnant. Oops. And Zechariah, after 400 years of silence, it's finally his turn to preach and, or go into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, and, and offer sacrifice. And after 400 years, all of a sudden, he's not alone in the room. Well, most of the time, that's what they expect. All of a sudden, he sees an angel, and he's terrified. What did I do wrong? But rather than doing something wrong, the angel gives him a blessing. Fear not. Fear not. You will have a son. But he didn't believe the angel, so, so he got stricken with a miracle. He couldn't talk until his son was born, and he named him John. We see him, sorry, rather, we see Gabriel very busy this time of year going to Zechariah. Then he goes to Mary. Mary busts out in song. He tells her, hey, your cousin Elizabeth, she's pregnant too. You can imagine Elizabeth. The, the look on her face, you know how much we pride ourselves and kind of like, don't tell anybody. I want to be the one to tell everybody that you're pregnant. And, and, and all of a sudden, Mary comes. I heard you're pregnant. What? Who told you? I knew I shouldn't have told, told her. She tells everybody. No. And when she comes in, the baby, her baby John, who would be John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ, leaps for joy. Leaps for joy. And Mary, both Elizabeth and Mary, bust out in just songs of praise. 
over what God is doing, all these things. And we see, we see a refrain of Mary storing up all these things in her heart, treasuring what, what manner of special child is this. In the beginning of Luke 2, we see shepherds in a field, and, and again, the angels go and, and tell them, I bring you good news of great joy. And the shepherds, again, what did we do wrong? I'm about to die. I get a message of joy. And it says they left praising and singing praises to God, glorifying God. We see words in this passage such as wonder, they wondered, they marveled, they were amazed, astonished. A big idea we see is that an encounter with the Lord Jesus, even his news, changes you, changes you. The big idea we'll see will be seeing Jesus as salvation satisfies. Seeing Jesus as your salvation satisfies, no matter what age he is when you encounter him. It's amazing, this passage. And so, after the shepherds, after Jesus is, is done some things according to the law, we get to verse 22. I'll give you a little bit of the background. I'm going to break this down in three headings for you. You'll see the presentation of Jesus at the temple. We're going to see the praise that this guy, Simeon, offers this infant, no ordinary baby. And then we're going to see the prophecy concerning this supernatural, astounding infant. That's what we're going to see. We're going to see it. I'll read the passage. We'll go back through and we'll see what's going on. Verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought, up, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. A few things here. Let's pray and we'll, we'll walk through the text. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that in this season of waiting, although we are eagerly waiting, we will never be left disappointed when we wait for Christ. But you intend to satisfy us with Christ, with your salvation, with, with eternal life. Lord, and as so many in Jesus' own day disbelieved, they saw him, but they didn't see. They heard him, but they didn't hear. Lord, I pray that your spirit would go forth and use your word to lift up your son among dead spirits in here. I pray that you would give life to them, that, that we would all see what we see, that Jesus is the salvation of the world. Jesus is the only true comfort for our souls. Lord, I need you to do this. So would you do this for your name's sake and your glory? Amen. A few things. The presentation. Joseph 
had just brought up his wife, a little crash course in the law. After you have a baby back then, you had to wait 40 days. The woman was considered unclean. Basically, it was her recovery time. I think some cultures here have like 120 days or whatnot. There, it's 40 days. If you take that baby anywhere out, after 40 days, people are going to give you, I can't believe she's got that baby out. 40 days. So Mary has waited her purification time according to the law in Leviticus 12. She's waited her time, and now her, after 40 days, little baby Jesus, 40 days old now, if you can imagine a little, what does a 40-day-old infant do? They can, I don't know, I don't even remember. It seems like all they do is throw up and, and sleep. Baby Jesus is now 40 days old. And after 40 days, they make the 10-mile-ish trek from, from where they're at in Bethlehem all the way up to the temple. We see their lowly estate Rather than offering a lamb or a sacrifice of a lamb, they can't afford it. So according to the law, they had provisions, and they brought two turtle doves or pigeons instead. You can think of the shame that we would have sometimes when, when something marks you out as poor. Could be the car we drive, the shoes we wear, whatever the case it is. And they have to go up to the temple and, and do this in exchange for, for turtle doves. And Joseph has to kind of take the hit of pride that I can't afford a lamb. Oddly enough, while they couldn't afford the sacrifice of a lamb, Mary herself is holding the Lamb of God in her hands who will end all sacrifices as she goes up to this temple. You can picture it, kind of like we would go into the county building or something of that nature to pay taxes, to do something according to our law. That's kind of what the temple is like. It's not like our church building. There was multiple areas for, for I guess you could say, business or transaction. You had the court of the Gentiles, and, and as you walk through, they're all noisy and they're, they're disgusting. We don't even want to talk to them. And, and you bypass that, and you, you come to the court of the women, there's people doing all sorts of things. This is just an ordinary day in the temple. But we'll see, there's no such thing as coincidence when it comes to Christ. It's an ordinary day in the temple, business as usual. Hundreds of babies probably come in and out throughout the year, no big deal. The hustle and bustle of the city coming. And then the anxiety of a new couple, of a new, of a new parents. This is their firstborn. Don't, don't, don't touch them with the pigeons, they're dirty. You know, don't, don't let anybody touch him because he's, he's still, you know, he's, he's so fragile. And just the anxiety of not knowing exactly what to do. We've never done this before. I went through that. What, what do I do? Do I go to the doctor? Okay, where do I go stand? Oh, okay, I'll go stand. Oh, a little anxiety there as they come about. And then we see verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. So now we get introduced to Simeon. This, this is a man. We don't get any idea that he's crazy. But I guess you could say here it is. It's, it's baby dedication Sunday. And there's this guy named Simeon. And he's just waiting. He doesn't know what he's waiting for. 
or who he's waiting for, what he's going to look like when he walks in. He's just waiting. He's waiting for the consolation of Israel. And it says the Holy Spirit was upon him, and the Holy Spirit revealed something to him. The Holy Spirit told him that you won't see death until you see the Messiah. You won't see death until you see the Messiah. He's been waiting his whole life. We don't know how or when the Holy Spirit communicated it to him. He doesn't even know what the Messiah is going to look like. He just says, you're waiting and you're not going to die until you see him. Can you imagine the joy that comes on this man? This one thing, this, this one bucket list item, finally it's like, yes, I'm going to do this before I die. You can imagine everybody else around him would probably look at him in judgment at times. Simeon, oh, crazy Simeon. Yes, he thinks that the Lord is going gonna, is gonna to come, even though we haven't heard a prophet in hundreds of years. Old, crazy man, Simeon, almost like Noah. If you remember, Noah's just building a boat and believing God's promise. And people are like, what are you building? A boat? What is that? I don't know. That. Poor, crazy Noah. Poor, crazy Simeon. Waiting, but Simeon knows Something's coming. Something's coming that is going to change the world. So Simeon's there. He's waiting. He had been told he won't taste death until he sees Christ. Verse 27, And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do it for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. The focus here that Luke is trying to, to, that we don't see as easily in English, is the timing. He came in the Spirit at just the right time when they entered just the right portion of the temple. Can you imagine? We have so many babies back here, so many infants, and then out of the crowd, I You just walk up to somebody. Here it is, baby dedication Sunday. There's babies all around. People are all moving around. The family's here. Some people are praying over here. And, and out of the crowd, you point one. And the Spirit just reveals to you, that's him. That's him. And you can imagine after so many years of waiting, he's, he walks up. He, you can picture him, Simeon, walking through the crowd walking up to this woman who's oblivious, sees him. You see Joseph kind of, oh, what's going on, buddy? Who, who are you? Who are you? Don't touch my baby, okay? What, what you, what's going on? He, I just heard a term recently, uh, guy cry. Guy cry, has anybody heard of that term? It's, it's how men cry. It's, we don't like sob or like, but it, your eyes kind of get glassy over, and you feel that lump in your throat, and you're fighting the quivering lip, a guy cry. You can almost picture Simeon. He sees this baby and, and holding back a guy cry. He can't believe it. I didn't expect him to be an infant. But he sees something that nobody else in the temple seems to notice at that moment. 
And he goes to Mary, can, can I see your baby? And she's, it's almost like she just knows. It's almost like she just knows. She hands her baby over to this complete stranger, of course, after he hand sanitizes. Hands the baby over to this complete stranger. <laughs> and he starts saying this, Lord, now, now your servant can depart in peace. According to your word, you have fulfilled it, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. He's just praising God. Everybody else sees a baby and a poor couple. He sees the salvation of the world, the comfort of Israel. He says, I, in essence, I can die now. I can die now. I'm done. This is, this is all I need. You don't understand. I've been waiting for you. And the joy, the joy. But that's, that's not where it ends. As he's holding this infant in his arms, just staring intently, he says this, Lord, I, I can, I've seen your salvation for all nations. He turns to mom, looks at mom and dad, and makes another statement. And in the meantime, Joseph and Mary are just total amazement, total wonder, what in the world? It's not that they didn't expect this, it's just they didn't expect it. Total wonder and amazement at what this man was saying about their son, and Simeon blessed them. But his blessing isn't exactly the type of blessing she was expecting either, because he says something to her that as of yet hasn't been said. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child, this baby, is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is to be opposed. And almost as a side note, and the sword will pierce your own soul, Mary. So that the thoughts and hearts of many will be revealed. So far, Mary's gotten all sorts of other revelations from angels about your son, and, and she's also filled with the Spirit. But as of yet, this is the first indicator that there will be opposition to this baby. You can imagine a, a small little lump in her throat like, a sword is going to pierce my soul? What does that mean? And of course, looking back on the cross, on the other side of it that she didn't know yet, that little baby was going to be crucified in the most barbaric way. And if you have a baby, I don't want you to imagine it, but imagine the pain that you would see from watching them get mistreated, lied about, slandered, and then brutally killed. The word here is a large sword. It's the same word we see when David killed Goliath and he took his sword 
Goliath's giant sword, that's the same type of sword. It's not an ordinary sword. So he tells her, it's going to hurt. And it's going to hurt a lot. It's one of those pains that I can describe it to you, but you won't understand. This child is appointed for the rising and falling of many in Israel. What does that mean? Here's essentially what it means. What Simeon says after he praises God, he gives her this prophecy and he says, concerning this baby, there will be no neutral stance. There will be no neutrality concerning this baby Jesus. Some will mock and perish and fall. Others will believe this message. And they'll have great joy. They will be established by the Lord, as we saw in Romans. They'll be strengthened and caused to stand. But there will be no neutral ground. He was a good teacher. He was a good man. He taught good things. Jesus himself in this very book would say later, as an adult, whoever is not with me is against me, is opposed to me. There is no neutral ground when it comes to this Jesus, to this little infant. It's hard to believe now, but you'll see. A sword will pierce your soul. There's no neutral ground. I want to ask you this morning, what is your stance towards this Jesus? What is your stance? Maybe you're in school and you're like, college, I'm a little edumacated. I'm learning some stuff that, as we saw in Sunday school, maybe the Bible isn't true because these things don't really jive well. There's no historical evidence. Or maybe we read books because we're sophisticated called the Zealot that those Christians obviously don't read because if they did, they would know that Jesus wasn't really, didn't claim to be the Messiah, didn't claim to do these things. He was just a, a zealous Jewish insurrectionist. No, folks. We're not ignorant. The scriptures are true. They stand at the end of the day against all attacks. And at the end of the day, it says, Jesus is the comfort of Israel, of the nations. Jesus is salvation, and only in him is that salvation found. And for all who come to him, for all who come to him, much like Simeon, you will leave not disappointed, you will leave satisfied. Jesus himself would call, of himself, he would say this to a woman and say, I am the gift. If you knew who the gift of God was, you would come to me. Or Romans 6, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. What is eternal life? What's so great about this life in Christ? It's not that we get infinite presence from Jesus. It's not that we get a good family or my family gets reunited. It's not that I have good health or prosperity. John says, this is eternal life, that they know you, God, and your son whom you have sent. The greatest thing about the gift of Jesus is not that he came to give gifts, but primarily that he came to be a gift. 
And so I ask with Simeon, what are you waiting for? What is on your bucket list per se? What are you looking at and thinking, this thing will bring me comfort? Maybe if I could just have a peaceful Christmas with all my family and not without anybody killing each other around the Christmas table, that would bring me comfort. I'm sure it would, but not ultimate comfort. See, as Simeon saw, when you come to Jesus, when you wait for Jesus, you're satisfied, and you never, never, never leave disappointed when you come to Jesus. And much like Simeon, a picture of Old Testament saints, isn't he? Found waiting for the Lord, believing the promises that, that somebody's going to come and hoping against hope that the comfort of Israel will come. He's a perfect picture of the Old Testament saint. And finally, when that comfort in the form of a baby walks in, he receives them. He receives him, and that's the exact way we receive the gift of Christ, is you receive him, not by works, not by anything that you do, not by how much you come to church, or how many gifts you have, or how many check marks are on your bucket list to righteousness. You receive him. You receive him, and you believe what the Lord says about him. Some of you in here are comforted by the wrong things, some of you in here are much like Mary. There's a period of sorrow in your life right now. Just like when he looked at her and said, a sword will pierce your soul. Something has happened for some of you that is like a, a sword piercing your soul. I don't know what it is. It could be a family member died. It could be a friend died. It could be going through hard family times. But something for some of you in here it's like a sword piercing your soul. Scripture isn't naive when it comes to the reality of life. John Bloom said this, When a sword pierces, all it feels like is terrible pain. But later, later we discover that our deepest wounds often become the channel through which the most profound grace flows. Sometimes that deepest wound becomes a channel through which all grace flows. And so it was with Mary and the rest of his followers. If you remember, Jesus says to his disciples right before he gets crucified, you will weep and you will be sorrowful, but, but your sorrow will turn to joy. Your sorrow will turn to joy, and nobody will be able to take that joy from you. Or as Paul says in Romans 8, what can separate you from the love of God? Nothing in all of creation can separate you from the love of God. Believer, I ask you, sometimes we lose track of what our comfort really is. I ask you, what are you finding your comfort in? What are you finding your joy in? And when you come to Christ, that's what you get. Comfort and joy and grace. And nobody, nobody will be able to steal your joy. I think Simeon believed the truth that 
a saint so many years later would write. And I'll close with this. He saw the truth of this. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a smiling providence, he hides a smiling face. Behind a frowning providence, he hides a smiling face. Mary, disciples, brothers and sisters in here, your sorrow when you come to Jesus will be turned to joy. I'm going to be over here off to my right and your left. I'm going to be praying. I want to pray with you and for you. If I've said something, if you're like, man, I've never, I've never heard this idea of Jesus, of Jesus being the gift, or I have more questions about that, or I do have questions about the reliability of the scriptures, whatever the case is, if the Lord is moving in your heart and you just want somebody to pray for you, if, if you feel like a dagger is in your soul right now, I would just love to pray for you and with you. So I'm going to pray, and then I'll be going off to the side over here. You're more than welcome to join me. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your scriptures. Thank you that through them we find comfort and hope, but not without Jesus. I thank you that all those who wait for you will be satisfied and not disappointed. Lord, may you move in hearts that we would rejoice with Jesus this Christmas, that we would rejoice not in the gifts that you give, but in Christ primarily. Bless our time of fellowship together, Lord. May we encourage one another with the scriptures, with the word, and may we trust you for your grace, because we know through your providence you hide a smiling face. Lord, may we encourage one another with these things for your name and your glory. Amen.